Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Good morning. Who knows every day is a holiday? If you, can, if you don't live in that zone that every day is a holiday, that means you've got work that you put up with, and then you have the other time that you get to enjoy. So you better get it sorted out, make every day a holiday, and live like every day is a holiday. Every day is a gift, every person's a miracle, and every meeting's an opportunity to enhance somebody's life. And um, we live near a cemetery, so I go past the cemetery every single day, and so I, that's my, in a sense, a mantra, every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. Absolutely. I want to show you um, a picture. So just, can I get, while I'm doing this, can I get all the, the singers who were up here, back up here just for a sec? That'd be good. Um, and look really nervous, because you've got no clue what's going on. Um, we grew up in Queensland. Yeah, just come up here and stand in a line. That would be great. Um, for, for years, went to school in different places. Got family in Stanthorpe. And just drove up to Toowoomba yesterday to meet up with some family. And um, realising that all the, the ground is all brown and, like, grass is like... So I wanted to show you a photo just to contrast what I see in Queensland to my back veranda, our back veranda, Deanne and I, a uh, back veranda in, in Tas- Tassie, Devonport, Tasmania. This is a view. I don't know if you can see. Not a good photo. And I've always got to learn to put the photo landscape. But that, in the foreground there, that is called grass. Green grass. <laughs> and, um, and then you've got the mountains in the green. It's, so if you've not been to Tasmania lately, uh, put that on your bucket list to do. So what's the difference? How could we turn Queensland brown into Tasmanian green? So all, all it would take would, is if we had, like, water. That's, that's the only thing. And to, to how, how powerful is water to be able to turn brown into green, to turn dead into life? And um, that things that look dead for, for ages, you just pour some water on it and it comes to life. How cool is that? So how much more powerful is God than water? What, what things have you put in your life to go, hey, that's been dead for years? Is God able to revive what's dead? Is God able to take what's brown and turn it green? We, we get to see that often. And, and So if you can hold that for me and just pass it. So this, this ends brown. That ends green. So all we're trying to do is to get, what would we need to do to get brown to green? We just need to pass it along, and you get to pour just a little bit out, just to go, just pour a little bit out. Just, uh, uh. Can I just say, that's not what God does. <laughs> not too much, not too much. So if we put it, if, what, what in your life is brown that needs God to turn it into green? This is not the message. This is just you getting used to who I am. <laughs> so if we just spread out now. Oh, spread out. That's good. So the idea is to go that what's brown that God can turn green. We've all agreed that God can do that. 
And all it needs is the blessing of God. So what's in our community? Not just in what's in your life. What's in our community that's brown? What, what is there? Do you have domestic violence here in Queensland? Um, so if that's brown, that's not God's design. God wants it, our families to be full of life and flourishing. So if that's brown right now, what, what would it take it to get from brown to green? Would it take the blessing of God, the intervention of God into a circumstance he could turn it brown to green? We all agree that God can turn brown into green, that God is bigger than water. God is greater than water. Okay, so we just need to pass it on. We as the church hold the water or the richness of God. No throwing, Greg. (laughs) And we get to pour it out. Now, Greg, because you did that and you're the oldest one, you can go and sit down. I wonder if you've, you've sat there to go, I've, I've done my bit, I've done my turn, it's someone else's turn, um, and I'm looking across and uh, I can see grey hair, I can see shiny heads, um, and maybe you're sitting there to go, well, I did my bit, it's someone else's turn now um, to do their role. So you, like Greg, well, probably he wasn't volunteering it, but maybe you've sat down. So the blessing of God then that's supposed to flow through us goes without moving now, what happens now? That the blessing of God, what was, what was brown and what's supposed to go to green, it, and you're not allowed to throw. What, what happens? No roller. Singers and musicians, just like, pick somebody else. So I just want you to, to pass that on to go... And let the blessing go. So if we just came in a little. I wonder now, if we're all about, Sunday mornings are all about how do we take the lid off the blessing? Again, we believe that God is big enough to turn brown into green, to turn dead into life. And coming coming to Sunday morning, God wants you to take the lid off your life. The blessing that he has, he just doesn't want to drip feed it. He wants to pour it out. And if we, as a community of faith, we want to be able to be in our community to turn things that are brown into green because God, who's, who's flourishing and alive and able to do that, lives in us. And we just get to pass that on. So if we... You can do a netball. That's all you can do. So if you had to pass it on, and Greg's not here now. Greg's gone, I need a break. I just got to... What's going to happen? This is an opportunity. What's going to happen here if we want to, like, thirsty, Stanthorpe thirsty, you know, draw, uh, and to go, we want to get this green. And God, everything that's needed, God, it's not God's, God's deal. We can't blame God. God's given us. We just, someone's gone missing. What do we do? Do we let the blessing fall out on Sunday morning to go, there's plenty of blessing. The presence of God here this morning was rich, is rich. So do we just let it fall out on the ground and it's only those who get to the altar get to get it or do we actually want to take it home with us? So what do we do? You really want me to drop it? <laughs> do I have the pastor's permission to drop it? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh. What could have happened then? 
What could have happened? Somebody. Let's do this again. Pass it on. Somebody. Good on you, Charlie. That's what I wanted. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. I just... You've got a vital role to play. You've got a vital role to play. Just for all those people who went, my time's up, I'm sitting down. What happens when you sit down is the blessing of God doesn't get to where it needs to get to. And you know, the other thing is that God will still work away and he'll choose somebody else to go and do it. So we've either got the opportunity to step into that gap or just sit in our rusty dusties and go, that's it. And the blessing of God. God is into turning brown into green. This church, and I believe what God's saying to this church is that you've got to decide as this church whether you're going to go again. As a 25-year-old church, you've gone, look what we've done. Look what we've got. And this is good enough for us. What more do we need? We don't need a bigger facilities. We don't more. We've got what we need. And there's plenty of... 25-year-olds or 30-year-olds to go, we've got what we need, and then they're cashing out on blessing the rest of the world. You've been called not just to have what you need, you've been called to bless the world. And I believe that, again, today and over this next season, God's going to challenge you to go, are you going to step in the gap? Are you going to step in the gap? We're going to look at each other to go, I hope somebody steps in the gap. Because we can get things so neat and tidy, we're more concerned about water on the floor than we are about someone's eternal destiny. I'm here to encourage you um, to the fact that God's saying, hey, I'm still choosing you. I'm still choosing you. And it's like, well, I haven't got anything. No, just stand in the gap. God will give you what you need, but he won't give it to you before you stand in the gap. He'll give it when you stand in the gap. So I'm calling you out. Come on, stand in the gap. There's plenty of people here who've been Christians for like decades. And you're going, well, I'm not sure if I've got what it takes. It's like, no, just stand in the gap. God will give you what you need. But he's just looking for you to stand in the gap because he's not, he doesn't want the water to be poured out on the floor. He wants to turn brown into green. Okay, that's hello. Um, so um, one of the things, sure, Charlene, so I don't say, while you're doing that, um, it's, is it Hannah? Yes. Hannah. Who, who saw um, Current Affair this week? Anyone? What are you watching that stuff for? Uh, but anyway, I've, what I want to do is, um, where's Hannah? Hannah, just come here. Just for all those for the Channel 7 or, well, I don't even know what channel Current Affair is. Who cares? Um, but if you're watching on channel, we're actually giving money away this morning. We're not asking for money. Um, so Hannah, I just wanted to give you this, just because um, if there's any thought that God, I don't have the money to do that. God can get money. If God can get money out of a preacher, God can get money out of anybody. <laughs> so one, I want to give you that. But it just is reminds you to go, God is aware of your world. He's aware of your needs. 
He knows the plan. He's got it all there. And he will provide for you. He will even get a preacher from Tasmania to come up to give you money just to show you that he can do anything. And so don't let any obstacle of, like, it's impossible get in the way of what God's put in your heart. Good? Great. My preaching day is almost up because I just don't have any money left. Uh, I wonder if you've ever asked your kids, did you have a good day? And um, I wonder what the normal response is. Have you ever gone from church to say, was, was church good this morning? And I, I wonder what your response is. Have you had a good week? People ask you, maybe on a Sunday morning, you go, hey, how did you have a good week? What's your response? Do you go, well, yeah, I think so. What do we measure a good day, a good service, a good week? Have you had a good year? We're into October of 2019. It's like the year is like sliding away downhill. Have you had a good year? Like based on what? Do you know there's going to be a time um, that we go, did you have a good life? And it might be you have the opportunity on a, on a hospital bed or whatever and you have those when you're nearing the end of your life to go, was it a good life? Based on what? We've got young guys, um, we have a couple of campers, one in Devonport, one in Smithton, and um, one of the guys there is like evangelist on steroids and it's like he, he owns a, a farm... Um, a cattle farm, and he's only a young guy, but he sees everything through like, it's awesome. How was the service? So he runs our service in Circular Head, and it's like, how was the service today? Um, it was awesome. He's like, yeah, that doesn't really help me. How, how was this? It was fantastic. And uh, how was youth? It was great. And it's like, based on what? And it's like, just based on his perception of like, just everything's good. Uh, and so let me ask you to go, what do we measure, did you have a good day? When you go home today, will you measure to go, was that a good day? Was that a good service? And I'm taking the pressure off. If it's just about the preaching or just about they played the song, what a beautiful name, I love that song. It's a, great, it's a good service because they sang that song. What do we base a good service? What do we base a good day? What do we base a good year on? What do we base a good life on? Did GWS have a good year? Is it a good year because they got to the grand final or is it a bad year because they got whooped in the grand final? So did the Raiders and the, the, the Roosters, do they, what, what, what do they base their year on? We got to the grand final so it's been a good year or it's only a good year when you win the grand final. Who makes those calls? And you win a grand final because what's on a scoreboard? Does God have a scoreboard? Does God have a thing that he, or some, some legitimate measures that, that he goes, that was a good life or that wasn't a good life? Because regardless of what measures we have, it's pretty important for us to understand what measures God has. So I just want to put, and Jesus in his last sermon basically said, he set us up to go, this is the measure. Here's the end game. At the end of the day, the end game, here's the measures that I want you to take on board to know you've had a good life, you've had a good week, 
You've had a good day. You've had a good existence. You've had that. And Jesus came in Matthew 25. He says, here's three questions. Here's three stories. He told three stories that all had questions attached to them to go, this is our measure. This is God's scoreboard. And in each of those parables, in each of those stories, there's three common denominators. One common denominator in each of those stories, there is winners and there is losers. So if you think everyone wins or everyone loses, no, there are winners and there are losers. Jesus, the red letters of Jesus, Jesus is putting it out there. And in common in each of these stories, that the end of the game, the end day that will be asked these, and but the commonality is there will be winners and there will be losers in these stories. The second one is Jesus is coming to meet us. Jesus is not coming to beat us, he's coming to meet us. And so that's a commonality through these three stories. Jesus is coming to meet us. There are winners and there's losers. And Jesus is coming to meet us to take us with his intent to take us to a celebration party. Not to play a harp on clouds. He's taking us to party for a long time. That's his intent. And he tells us these three stories in in a sense to go, here's your measure. Here's the scoreboard. Here's how you know you can go, it was a good day. Or it was a good week, or it was a good month, it was a good year, it was a good decade, it was a good life. Because otherwise we have plenty of measures. The world is telling us measures all the time. Did the stocks go up? That's a good week. Did the bank account go up? That's a good week. Did the bills go up? That's a bad week. Did the weight go down? That's a good week. Did the weight go up? That's a bad week. Did the stress levels go up? That's a bad week. If the stress levels went down, that's a good week. Unless you died. (laughs) That's a bad week. So the world is telling us all the time and saying, here's the measures of life. If you look like this, if you do this, if you got a promotion or if you had an easy week, they're the things. What do we base good week? And we, above all people, should be able to clearly go, that was a good day. That was a good week. That was a good church service. I wonder if you could go clearly, just go, yep, I can. I can, I can, I can. What would Jesus say to the MCG crowd? What would Jesus say at a grand final to the winners and the losers? What would Jesus say? And it's like, we don't have to make it up because he recorded it. Matthew 25, I want to talk through three stories really briefly. First one is about ten bridesmaids. Ten bridesmaids... Um, are there and they were waiting for the bridegroom. Way different to how we do it these days where the bridegroom's got to wait for ages for the bride to come through. How it worked then, and I know Shane Willard comes through here, so I'm certainly not going to go down. Here's some Hebrew stuff that you never heard of. But what happens in this, in this, in this parable is that the, the bridemaids are here in this room and the, the groom, the father of the groom, has paid the price that for the bride. And the, the bride, the bridesmaids are, are over here, and the, bri- the groom has gone away to prepare a home um, for his wife and, to their, and for their family. And at a time appointed by the father, the, the, the groom, with the best man, goes, um, travels through the city to the, the, the bride's family's home, and there's a watch person at the bride's family at home to go, the groom is here! And the story goes in Matthew 25 that that yelled out, and in this room there were ten bridesmaids. 
And it says that five were smart, five were foolish. And five had lamps. If we can just put a picture of that lamp up there. It was a clay, a clay lamp. They filled with olive oil, put a bit of wick in the, in the spout there. And, um, and it, so you, you held your lamp. And so we can just leave that up there. That's, that's fine. So they had their lamps and it was like, okay, now it was like you need to light your lamps and have them ready for, because the, the, the groom is here. And like, what's the deal with that? Because what happens is that when the groom came, they had to then do a, procession, a bridal procession through the city um, to the house that's being prepared for them. And, and the idea was that in, to stop gate crashes and to other people joining that party, to actually who goes in, it was like this: your lit lamp was your, your, your indication that you were invited and you were prepared to go. So if you knocked on the door without a lit lamp, they wouldn't let you in. So the procession was they'll only let you in if you had a lit lamp. They were foolish in the sense that they weren't prepared for the journey ahead. And when they said, give us some of your oil, the the wise ones had a container with more oil in there, that they had a full container, that their, their lamps would be lit all the way that got them to the end destination. It's a story, and, and, and in this story we can go, well, what's the lamp and what's the oil? If the lamp is our heart, firstly, the lamp is our heart, and with the lamp being our heart, the first thing is that you know, with our hearts, our brokenness, and we've said we had communion this morning, that the thing that Jesus has done is taking our broken... We, we haven't got a, a nice put-together lamp like that. Our lamp has been squashed. But what Jesus did is he came and restored our lamp. He restored the brokenness of our heart. That was the first miracle. And, and it's like, like, wow, Jesus, you did this. And then what he does is pour in the oil, the presence of the Holy Spirit, his own presence, the, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus is poured into our lamp. And, and he says, you can have as much as this oil as you ask for. You can have as much, you don't need to buy it. I purchased it for you. All you need to do is ask me for the oil and your lamp, your heart will be filled with the presence, the burning presence of God in your life. And you need enough of the burning presence um, of God in your life to get through the whole journey to the, of life to get to the place that God has prepared for you. So the question is, the first question of the end game is, how much did you love Jesus? Not did you love Jesus, is how much did you love Jesus? These bridesmaids were all there because they loved Jesus. But there was five that were ready to meet Jesus and go on the journey and there was five there that weren't. They were just sitting. They weren't prepared to go on the journey. And, and the, it says when the, when the groom came, that they had to go out to go, I'm not ready for you. I'm not ready for you. I need to go and get my heart sorted out. I need to go and get oil for my heart because I'm not, my heart's not burning for you. And we have people in churches, people who go, I'm professed to be a Christian, but they're in this group and 50%... If we take those figures, 50%, what if 50% of people sitting in church, one, two, one, two, one, two, 50% were ready to meet Jesus today because their hearts were filled with the presence, burning, passionate about their love for Jesus. And 50%, well, I love Jesus, but just not that much. 
I'm not ready to meet Jesus. I'm not ready to burn and to live a life and to walk a life where the presence of God, the water, can be a blessing to other people around. But I'm okay. I wonder if you are okay. Peter loved Jesus, but when he was in the garden and the rooster crowed three times, he realized he loved himself more than he loved Jesus. So I'm not asking you this morning, do you love Jesus? You wouldn't be a Sunday morning at 8.30. It's still dark in Tasmania. But you were out here dressed, looking good on a Sunday morning at 8.30. So I'm not suggesting you don't love Jesus. What I'm asking is how much do you love Jesus? Do you love your own life? What gets first place in your life? Peter went, of course I love Jesus. But he realized when the pressure was on, he loved his own life. and wasn't willing to give up his own life. And he, what that realization, the revelation of that, he brought him to tears. And there's times throughout, through my life that I've gone, I loved you, Jesus. And then Jesus will bring revelation to go, but what about this? And I realized that I love Jesus, but maybe not that much. And I'm challenged to go, well, how do, I, how do I seek first? How do I have my first love, my first engagement, my first priority is Jesus? And, and, and the whole Christian life is to go, Jesus is the hero of our life. And the whole deal about church is Jesus is the hero of our church. And when you walk out of a church service, is, is what did we do today that my love for Jesus increased? That's a good day. What did I do that my love for Jesus decreased? That's a bad day. What got first priority? What didn't get first priority? Romans 12, 13 says, Never let the fire in your heart go out. We have been given responsibility as priests to never let the fire of God, the presence of God, the passion for Jesus go out. It needs attention. Needs, you know what happened? Well, the first thing they had to do is scrape the ashes off the altar from yesterday. Yesterday's fire is today's ashes. Yesterday's fire is not going to sustain you today. It actually prevents you today because you're leaning on yesterday. Who was in the crowd in the crowd when the woman pushed through to touch Jesus and Jesus said, who touched me? She had to push through the crowd to try to touch Jesus. Who was the crowd? Well, the crowd was those who got touched yesterday. Became the crowd today that prevented other people pushing through. If our hearts are not on fire for Jesus, it's just not benign. We're actually getting in the road of other people touching Jesus. Jesus, And and the beauty about this is Jesus going, the oil's here. I paid for it. Isaiah 55, come, ask me, buy from me all the riches of heaven because I paid for it. It's laid out for you. You just got to ask. When's the last time we've asked Jesus to go just fill my heart afresh? And we'll have an opportunity to do that in seven minutes. Better get on to the next one. The next story is is the the, the parable of the talents. He gave one five bags of gold, one two bags of gold, uh, silver, and another one one bag of silver. And when I look at this, and, and the ones that went, that's a good day, is the ones that increased their investment that God gave them. The ones that had a bad day, that was the ones that didn't do anything with the investment God gave me. God gave them. When I look at that, Jesus never was interested in money. So while it can apply to finance and we should apply it to finances, is great. But I'm thinking Jesus was talking about something way bigger than finances. 
Romans 12 verse 3 says that to each of us has been given a measure of faith. Look at the person next to you. They've been given a measure of faith. Put your hand in front of your face like this to go, you've been given a measure of faith. I've been given. Each of us have been given a measure of faith. So this parable is about what's a good day? Did you have a good day? Did you increase the faith that God has given you? Or did you bury the faith? We can come to church and to go, I was at church today. It's not on the list. This is the best opportunity and environment to activate faith, to worship and love, increase your love for God. So it's a great environment and we should be here and it's a great thing. But turning up, Malachi 3 says, and it's just not about, just in case you're aware, there's something else other than money in Malachi 3. It says that there's a scroll of remembrance written for those who turned up. No, no. It says there's a scroll of remembrance written for those who love to talk about God. Not a scroll of attendance, a scroll of remembrance. How much do we love Jesus? Did we increase the measure of faith? What did we do? If you knew who was going to win the grand final this afternoon, what would you do? And we don't talk sports bet in church at all. Because that's not what we do. But maybe you could whisper it to the person next to you. I wonder if you were absolutely confident of who was going to win this afternoon, you'd bet the farm. You'd increase. And you'd also tell your friends and family to go, I know, absolutely sure, this is going to happen. Because you want to have a win at the end of the day. Is that how we approach our faith in Jesus? I'm absolutely confident that this is going to happen with God. So I am all in. I am betting the farm. The first song that we sang this morning, it was like, we're all in. We all sang it. C.S. Lewis says we don't tell lies as Christians, we sing them. (laughs) But it's to go, we've all been given a measure of faith, and faith is to go, I've got absolute confidence that Again, putting my first 10% into an offering, I've got confidence, absolute confidence that God can do more with the 90 with God than what I could do with 100 without God. That's my absolute confidence. And I'm going to help encourage other, other people. It's not about the money, it's about faith. Because God's not going to measure your money, he's going to measure your faith. And the end game is, is how much do we love God? The second question is, did we increase our faith? The third question is, How did you go at showing Jesus' standard kindness to the one standing in front of you? Matthew 22, Jesus says, here's what it's all about. Love God with all you... And it's interesting, not just love God, but love God with all. If you've tried to do Christianity less than 100%, that's where the empty seats are. It doesn't work. Christianity does not work at 90% because 90% quickly goes to 80%, quickly goes to 40%, quickly goes to nothing. Christianity can only work when it's all because God loved us all so much that he gave his son. He gave all. And it says we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the three, three chapters earlier. And in this, in this last part of this parable in Matthew 25, He's going, well, the ones that are winners, they loved 
the person standing in front of them. They clothed them, they fed them, they, they gave them water to drink, they cared for them, they visited them. What if it was more? And we should do that practically. We should do that practically. We should do that practically to show kindness. What if there was a greater, even a greater degree of that? Did we clothe people with honour? Did we, did we feed people with respect? Did we bring kindness that clothed people with dignity like Jesus did? Three verses later, it's love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus upgrades it three chapters later to go, don't love people as you love yourself because some of you hate yourself. Some of you hurt yourself. Some of you criticise yourself. Some of you judge yourself. So let's upgrade that to go, love God with all, and then in Matthew 25, and love your neighbour as Jesus loved his neighbour. It's like, if that wasn't hard enough, you've just upgraded to go show kindness to the one standing in front of you. If I can have the team come back up, that would be great. So the three questions, the end game, the scoreboard at the end of the, the day... You know what Jesus didn't say on that? It is to go, did you follow all the rules? Should we follow all God's rules? Yes, because they're good pattern to live. But that wasn't, that wasn't on that list. The list was, did, how much did we love Jesus? And is that increasing or is that decreasing? The love of many grows cold, Matthew 24 says. So do you know what stokes your fire and what decreases your fire? Because we should. You know, we, we still got the fireplace going on in, at home. And I know for, it's like being here in Queensland, you're going, you're what? Like it was 4 to 14 yesterday at home. And um, so we still got the fireplace going. You know um, what the, the greatest danger to my fireplace going out is not the harshness of winter because I'm stoking the fire. The, the, the greatest threat to the fireplace going on at home is summer because the it's good. I don't need a fireplace going on. You know, the greatest threat to our Christianity, to our love for Jesus, is summer. Is the summer season in life. To go, life is good. This is happening for me. This is happening for me. This, I don't really need the fire. You know, the things that got in the road were the ox, the land, the family, the finance, the family, the fun. They're good things. God wants you to have those things. But in the order, put Jesus first. Keep Jesus first. The questions we're going to, the end game is going to be, how much did you love Jesus? Did you exercise your faith? Doesn't even ask, did things work out like you thought? Did you pray for somebody and they got healed or they didn't get healed? What's a greater exercise of faith? If someone you prayed for last time didn't get healed, that you turn up again and pray for another person. That's greater faith than what you had before. That when you put, again, you're giving in, that, that things didn't go way the way, you, then what's a greater exercise of faith? When you don't have excess that you still give. That when you don't have a greater exercise of faith is that you do show kindness even when your world is not in that place. The three questions, the end game is going to be, did you love Jesus? Did you exercise faith? And were you kind like Jesus was kind? Faith, hope, and love. They're the things that remain. I'm asking you to stand with us now.
Because Jesus says, come. Come, because I've prepared a table that you didn't have to buy. I've prepared oil. I can pour oil. If you're broken this morning, if your lamp, that lamp that we showed on, if your lamp is squashed, your heart is broken, I believe that this morning, in one touch, God can get around and, and, and bring wholeness to your lamp, bring wholeness to your heart. And if, if you're dry this morning, your passion and your fire has gone out, then just ask. You don't even have to come to the front. You can just ask where you are on a Sunday morning before you go and have morning tea and a scone and a coffee. That will help you for a little bit, but the fire of God in your life is going to help you way longer than that. And to go, God, we, we, me, us, together stand here this morning, and I'm asking you to pour in your oil and your wine. I'm asking that, that, our, that the lamp of our hearts would be, would be whole this morning, that you bring one touch and you bring things that are broken into wholeness, our heart, because you love us so much. And we're asking this morning that the oil of your presence would be poured into our heart and you'd set it on fire, set it on fire again, set that, that flame, when, that, and God, we would nurture that flame, we would feed that flame, we would pay attention to that flame, that that flame would continue to burn, that, that the passion and the levels, that I'm not trying to make this happen, I'm just allowing it to flow in. I'm not trying to make something work, I'm standing in a gap. And God, your power, your love, your presence, you're the hero of this story. We just get to be a part of it. And we give you thanks for that. Father, at the end of the day, that this group of people here would be winners because you've done everything you've known to do to set us up for the win. God, even before the day's out, we can, we can go, we can exercise faith. Our love for Jesus can increase. And we can show kindness to one other person, the person standing in front of us, whether it's our kids, our wife, our mum and dad, our neighbours, that we would show the Jesus kindness to our world, that when we put our heads on a pillow tonight, it's not a good day because the Raiders beat the Roosters. It's a good day because love and faith and hope were activated and spread through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.